0: To Netter, Volume 2, Ankh-Ausar, The Kemetic Initiation System, beginning with the author's preface. Begins with an illustration that has a box on the top labeled, See, Consciousness, Will, Potential to Act, to Do. There's a horizontal line. A shape that's grayed in with another box, the letter S, the subconscious, which is under the line, power to act, to do. The above is a picture of an iceberg, very much like the one that sank the Titanic and sent many a ship to an early watery grave. It is being used here as a symbol of your mind and a model for explaining why you behave the way you do. I decided to use this model because it is an excellent one, or out of being so habituated to thinking hieroglyphically. Either way, it will do the job. C. Above the line corresponds to the focus of consciousness and the will, which is the faculty through which we indicate that we intended to do, what we intended to do and accomplish. And S below the line corresponds to the subconscious which is the power in charge of carrying out our intentions. Metamorphized as an iceberg the mind paints a frightening picture. We can readily see that the will is this tiny lightweight projection above the water line while the subconscious carries the lion's share of the weight and size. Pit them in conflict between each other, and the outcome is easily predicted. Yet, size and weight don't tell the whole story. Yes, there is more gruesome news. In addition to being the bigger and stronger party, the subconscious, as its name indicates, does its work behind our back, so to speak. It works for us, supposedly sometimes, and it does it out of our sight and range of perception. Since it embodies the power to carry out our wants in life, it is too powerful a thing to be allowed to work outside of our view. There would be no problem if the conscious mind and the subconscious always worked in harmony with each other. But for most people, this is a rare exception. Consider the number of things that people want and need as opposed to the way their lives actually go. All unwanted behavior, all undesirable happenings in your life is the result of actions taken by your subconscious, obviously in disagreement with your wants. In other words, it directly determines whether you will be wealthy or poor, intelligent or an idiot, an addict or a soaring giant among men. And there's more. The subconscious is also in charge of running your physiological processes thus it determines your health the disunity between the conscious mind and the subconscious is reflected in those events in which you know something like the name of someone or your phone number or the answer to a question and it is on the tip of your tongue and you can't recall the fact to mind the subconscious mind says I know this and the will calls for it but the subconscious Sorry, The conscious mind says, I know this, and the will calls for it. But the subconscious, which is in charge of carrying out actions, will not give it up then. Maybe not until you're walking out of the examination room. There is an uglier side. You decide to give up that bad habit. Your health, nay, your life depend on it. But the subconscious keeps you going back for more of the poison too much power to give to a servant. The disunity between what you will and what you do also reveals a communication and understanding problem. Obviously, when you say to yourself that you will not continue to do something, or when the preacher gives you a lengthy sermon as to why you shouldn't, the message does not descend into the subconscious. It is obvious that there is a great deal of ignorance of how the subconscious is influenced. It is of interest to note that Western education limits itself to influencing the conscious part of our being. Working on the subconscious has been acknowledged to be limited to psychologists. Yet, we will see that the education of the population on the use of subconscious is the domain of religion. If prayer will help you achieve where the act of willing has failed, even if you credit ultimate success to divine intervention, union between your will and the subconscious must take place. Judging from the amount of failure in the world, we can safely conclude that there is a breakdown somewhere in the prayer process of people. How to establish and maintain a consistent unity between the will and the subconscious is the purpose of this book. The know-how was worked out over 6,000 years ago by the dwellers of the Nile Valley. It is based on the understanding that the subconscious lacks the ability to determine how it is programmed. With the exception of a few tendencies that we inherited from the animal kingdom, wired into our reptilian and mammalian brain, everything it does was placed into it through the conscious mind. And it, along with the programs from the animal kingdom within our brain, can be removed from from the conscious mind. This knowledge is embodied in the Osirian religion of Kemet, the oldest religion and spiritual cultivation system known to man. It is my purpose in writing the Metuneter, eventually a 6-volume set, to give the reading public give the reading public a working knowledge and practical guide to the spiritual way of life developed by Africans of Kemet ancient Egypt, the Canaanites and the Indus Kush civilization, the pre-Aryan Blacks who created the yoga system of India. In volume one of this book, I introduced the Kemetic Oracle, the Metunetur to the world and explained the Kemetic system of meditation and spiritual cultivation. In this volume, I have detailed the Asurian religion, which was the leading system used by the ancient Egyptians. The Kamau to develop their people to the level that enabled them to give the world the foundations of civilization. Greatness cannot be achieved by a people without social harmony and peace, especially greatness of Khmer, that took over 4,000 years to achieve. The Alsurian religion was an initiation system based on the graduated training of the individual to reshape and redirect the forces of the subconscious. This step-by-step process was based on the Tree of Life, a schematic through which every part of the subconscious was mapped, catalogued, and their relationship to each other and contribution to the whole was explained. The initiation system presented in this book is a practical guide to the practice of the Alsurian religion. Long before you have completed the work, you will have gained the ability to pick up any Comedic religious literature and understand at least 75% of it. Completion of the program will develop within you the consciousness way of thinking, the spiritual power that enabled the sages of Kemet to create the marvelous civilization that to this day has not been matched. More importantly, you will receive the keys to reinventing civilization. It has been lost for the past 2,000 years. How to use this book. Although chapters 11 to 18 give ex- exercises to perform, it is advisable that the book be read several times along with rereadings of volume 1 before embarking on the initiation program. May we meet in the Sekhet Heptu. Ra an Nefer Amen. Shakem Er Shakem Ashem Er Hashem Ashemu New York, March eighteenth, nineteen ninety four Chapter One The Alsurian Religion Ank, Alsar I am Alsar These words Anuk outside. I am ausar These were the words backed with substance that most comedic men and women hoped to proclaim before their life came to an end. It was almost enough for everyone to merely aspire to this ideal for the nation to enjoy social harmony and the prosperity that in use ensues from it. What exactly does it mean to say Anuk outside? I will answer that question in due course in this book. Suffice to say for now that if people in the world today had this aspiration, the world would be free of the ills it is experiencing. Imagine that you have to come up with a new system for teaching dogs to jump through a hoop, and it is failing while other systems are succeeding. Since dogs cannot teach themselves to perform this trick, you must blame yourself and your system for the failure. The same is true of the behavior required of people. If they are to achieve personal and social harmony and prosperity, in their case, the process requires their unlearning, undesirable behaviors and replacing them with their opposite, as well as awakening and developing dormant talents and faculties. These are clearly not tricks that they can teach themselves. Yet, the proponents of the dominant behavior shaping systems in the world today, religionists, psychologists, sociologists, educators, philosophers, etc., excuse the failure of their system by shifting the blame over to the people whose negative behavior is caused by the failure of the professionals to provide the proper acculturation. Our, our yeah, acculturation. The things... Are the way they are? They claim because people are hypocrites, ignorant, evil sinners, etc. They fail to realize that if people are not were not as they are, there would be no need for behavior shaping institutions. These were invented to raise people out of their shortcomings. This shift of responsibility is not evidence of a grand Machiavellian plot, except for that small elite but the result of the total ignorance and lack of recognition of the true basis for a behavior shaping system in other words all of the dominant behavior shaping systems and institutions in the world are based on a conception of man that does not match reality what would you expect if you attempted to grow desert plants in a swamp and fail to realize this mismatch you would end up giving out noble prizes for brilliant medicines for this disease of leaves and that the fungus attacking the root and so on as you march down the path of inevitable defeat in the same manner that you applied this unsuitable environment to the plant obviously out of ignorance of the plant's nature so has western man applied systems of shape and behavior that are unsuitable to man out of ignorance of his nature what then is man's nature Were you an ancient dweller of the land of the Nile, Alsar would suffice as your answer. Obviously, we have many more ideas to explore in order to communicate the desired answer, as Alsar says nothing to you. The subject of this book is behavior shaping, it is the subject of religion, psychology, sociology, philosophy, education. Upon the shaping of man's behavior depends on the proper framing of systems of family, government and economics which in turn determines the man's personal and social harmony and prosperity. The proper framing of all these systems depends on a correct view of man's nature. Since all behavior shaping systems attempt to take man from one stage in growth to another, they must all have an accurate and clear view of the beginning and end stages. When you set out on a journey, you must know where you started from and where you are going. We will see that the dominant behavior-shaped systems like driftwood in the sea because they know only of their present location. Knowing nothing of a man's origin and where they must take man in his or her growth, they erect very sophisticated, ignorant theories and practices that take his or her lower stage of growth as the essence of his being. Our ancestors in Kemet developed a profound insight into man's psychological evolution, the accumulation of which they symbolized as the god Ausar, unlike Western behavior shaping systems which are based on man's lower being with its animalistic and lower intellectual faculties. The ancient African civilizations based their behavior shaping system religious init- initiation on higher parts of man's being wherein reside the divine elements that created him or her and administer him, his or her life. While the western systems foster all kinds of behavior that cater to and strengthen the lower part of the being, the African systems seek to evaluate man to his divine essence. What is at stake? Let's answer this question that question negatively. You may have seen one of those movies. It is the year 4000 AD in a galaxy far away. You are traveling through outer space in a city-sized ship at warp speed surrounded by the most amazing technological wizardry. In fact, your best friend is part human and part robot and thinks with a computer that seems to put the human's brain, God's greatest creation on Earth, to shame. So what can threaten you? The old primitive animal passions, anger, lust, greed, fear, jealousy, etc. That will not be transcended if we follow the Western plans for the future. Of course, you no longer need such primitive things as a dagger or bullets or hydrogen bombs. The ultimate in killing science awaits us. Science fiction, you say. Have we not been told that much of what was science fiction is today's? even yesterday's reality rest assured that what these movies are revealing to us is the western conception of the future it does not include any vision of spiritual psychological growth for man as far into the future that western man can see he still cannot see that there is a higher side to man which as time goes on should occupy the foreground of human behavioral expression before laying down the teachings about man's nature, the knowledge of self as developed by the ancient black civilizations, let's explore our common experience that we may be able to see that these teachings are not just a model but an extraction from reality itself. I'm sure that there have been times that you have had an emotion visit you and found yourself struggling with it. You found yourself thinking even though I want it badly, I'm not going to give in to it. I know better now. I'm not supposed to be drinking that, smoking that, dealing with that person, etc. It is clear that there is a struggle going on, and common sense will tell you that for there to be a struggle, there needs to be at least two separate entities. But the exact nature and identity of these two combat entities combatant entities are confused by the structure of western thought patterns as reflected in its languages. In the preceding statement we saw that it is normal for people to involve in an inner struggle to say that it is I that is desiring so and so at the same time that it is I that is struggling against it. There is no understanding that the part of being in which the energies that are experienced as desires and emotions is separate from the part of the being that is opposed to them in this course of the book we will come to see that part of being in which the energies of emotions manifest themselves the likes and dislikes the pleasures and displeasures it is not the same as the part of being that truly represents what we refer to as i or myself this duality of being to which we will devote a great deal of attention is the reason for the coning of the word individual, and it is it is a contracted joining of indivisible in duality. and duality, In using it to refer to ourselves we are literally saying that man is composed of two entities that although separate in expression are integral complementary parts of a whole, hence she is an indivisible indivisible duality let's denote the higher half of being as self which is this book will always be capitalized to distinguish it from the common usage it is in reference to this part of being which by the laws of this nature is incapable of experiencing any emotion that the pronoun I is applicable the other half, lower, of being will is designated as, a, as the person this is the part of the being that contains the qualities making up our personality, emotional patterns and so on, as it is impair- impairment i.e. subject to change ergo, there may be many behaviors you have changed over the years you cannot designate it as your identity yourself As the years go by, you may come to realize that while there is a part of you that undergoes constant change, there is another part that remains always the same. Your awareness of the difference depends on your degree of detached introspection, which is enhanceable through meditation. It is important to realize that in any subject, identity can only be established on the premise of qualities. A major source of this problem is the dominant behavior-shaping system in the world. The major religions, psychology, etc., is that they have been designed for the lower part of the man's being as his identity. The error is compounded by the fact that we will later see that this part of being is subject to finding pleasure in many things that are injurious and evil. This is because there is nothing in its nature that has the ability to discriminate between right and wrong, good and evil. What can you expect, then, when you base a behavior-shaping system and intuition that addresses this part of the being on issues of right and wrong? We will come to see that the correct approach to such systems is to base them on the development and strengthening of the expression of the higher part of the being in the day, today life of the individual since it cannot be affected by the corrupting influences of the world in other words if the strongest part of your being is self which by the laws of its being cannot be motivated by pleasure or displeasure then you are free to allow only such behavior where your likes and dislikes of the lower part of being are in harmony with what is right to the African of antiquity the master to keep personal and social health, wisdom, harmony, and prosperity. True salvation in this life and other reside in a way of life in which every individual strove to awaken and develop the higher godlike part of being, the self, the Aosar, the Obatala, the Shiva, etc. The mere striving, as most did, not reach the goal in a given lifetime meant that the majority of people's lives were characterized by the non-identification with the lower part of being with its addiction to sensual and emotional pleasures. To be sure, the lower part of being made made its presence felt, but since the people were taught to identify the higher part of being, they clearly knew all the time that all emotion and pleasure-motivated behavior were not expressions of the self. It is unfortunate that the millions of people who have witnessed the great accomplishments in art, mathematics, architecture, etc., of ancient Egypt have never understood the singular cause for such accomplishments was the people's devotion to a way of life in which the priests exhorted the populations to identify with the divine aspect of their being as their true selves and to strive to realize the ideals symbolizing in their daily lives. It is the only way that a nation can survive for the close to 4,000 years and enable commit to accumulate the knowledge and continuity of works that have come down to us as its great legacy of accomplishment. The higher part of man's being with which we must identify the divine in man's being the ancient Egyptians symbolized as outside around the symbol was developed an entire way of life the system of spiritual longest lived religion in the world the Ausurian religion here ends the reading in chapter one on page 12 Ausorian religion